episode 94 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we are continuing our discussion of the Donnie Yang Chen by FCE with chapters 17 through 20. In this episode, you can obviously expect some full spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, as well as potential spoilers for both Kiyoshi novels. Before we get into that, Kayla, how are we doing this week? Happy fall. It's the first yeah, day of fall right? as we're recording. Oh my god, I went outside today in a tank top and it was really windy outside and it was chilly and I was just like, yes, <laughs> it is time. <laughs> I already oh, have god. my Halloween, I, I have some Halloween stuff already, like I got like these little stickies to put on my window for my mm -hmm. porch and you know, look, it's freaking bats. I said that as soon as I pulled them off the, the, the sticky thing, I had to say that, <laughs> I had to. Um, you know, it's getting colder out already. It's getting darker out sooner, which is not gonna be great for my seasonal depression, but right now I'm loving it. And <laughs> I am also very excited because, you know, fall also means Rocky Horror season and mm -hmm. I may just die, but man, what a way to go. Cause it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like we have a show almost every weekend in October. And it's gonna be a lot. But it's gonna be fun. But it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> Damn, I miss I miss fall in Morgantown. That ugh, it's like like sixty percent of the reason why I miss college. It's just it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, temperature here today was ninety one degrees. Ugh, that hurts. Um, I know, disgusting. But tomorrow is gonna be <laughs> sixty nine degrees. Nice. So uh, it's kind of all over the, the nicest place. temperature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 we were doing good for some reason today yeah today the high was 95 i don't know Ugh. but it, it's gonna it's gonna cool it's starting to cool off um yeah I'm so, god i'm so excited y'all y'all know we love fall we oh just yes fucking love it thankfully i didn't have to spend too much money on uh halloween decorations this year uh because i spent so much money on it last year and we have more than enough to decorate our apartment with um but oh my god it's it's really hard walking into any target marshall's tj maxx bed bath and beyond without wanting mm. to buy some of this cute halloween I shit know, right oh my Sam's god Club already has christmas stuff yeah so does costco and that's homophobic it is homophobic that actually. is very homophobic. this is this you know this is this is the season for the queers okay yeah. That is homophobic that you're putting Christmas stuff this early. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you a solid reason why Halloween beats out Christmas, even though I love Christmas. Oh, I love Christmas too. But... Halloween, there is no obligation to go see your family. Mm. And that's the that's only reason. That's why it's the clearest holiday. <laughs> exactly. Family, you know. what family? Yeah, right. Child of divorce, huh? Yeah, right. God. Jesus Christ. God, my, oh my, my God. dad, my dad called me the other day asking about um my plans for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, oh. Dad, I can't I can't handle that right now. I'm gonna Christmas. need I'm gonna need 14 days notice to emotionally prepare myself for that conversation. <sighs> yeah, right. Uh because every year it's I I now unfortunately have a love-hate relationship with the holidays because I love the holidays, but also now that I have a partner whose family that I want to spend the holidays with. I also have my divorced parents who I would also like to spend the holidays yeah. with. So it's really difficult. But, you know, we're just here for a good time, not a long time, I guess. But yeah, um, I mean, at least I, I mean, Thanksgiving, I am very, very certain. I like I know where I want to go. My you know, my grandma makes 
excellent Thanksgiving dinner. That is an easy decision I'll do, who, you know, where I'm spending Thanksgiving with. Christmas, however, that's where it's complicated. And that is why I will start going apeshit as soon as I hear the first notes of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. And She's not defrosting. in a good way. She's defrosting. I can hear her defrosting. Okay. Well, funny story. Apparently on the last year, and I know someone, some asshole is going to do it this year. Last year, on the after the Halloween show was over for Rocky, someone immediately played "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Oh someone's god. gonna, someone's gonna die that night if it happens. <laughs> like, oh my god, oh my god, yeah, that's all, the Halloween's just great. And then also, like the music, like spooky music, is so underrated. What's even great about it is spooky music is the fact that you can listen to it year round. Christmas music has a time and place. Spooky, it's a year round thing. That's true. You yeah. know. And like the movies slap for Halloween. Even if you're not a horror movie fan, there's still like spooky shit to enjoy. You know? Are you excited for Hocus Pocus 2? Oh my god, I saw that finally saw the trailer today. And like, oh, I'm almost just excited that they have drag queens in it too. Like, I know. How cool here's is that? But here's the thing: drag queens have basically been keeping this thing alive for 30 years. It is part of the reason why they're such a cult classic, is because of us. Yeah. Like, That's queer true. people. That's true. I'm I'm only afraid that you know whatever Gen X writer is writing this movie is gonna have these Gen Z kids being like, guys, did you see that text blast on Tumblr? Like you know, yeah. you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And there's always, there's always this one thing in in modern horror movies, especially like that are not like you know the rated R ones, the, the PG thirteen ones, um, where there's like actually horror is just a deconstruction of the male gaze and all this stuff, and it's correct. But I don't know why we have to say it for every modern horror thing ever. Ever. Yeah. Chris was watching that Pretty Little Liars uh, revival. And it was like the first episode. It's like, actually, horror is just blah, 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 blah. And then I looked up who wrote it. And it was the writers for Riverdale. So I it, 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 all made, it started making sense. Yeah. Um, no, I'm excited either way. I love yeah. Focus Focus, the first one. I've got, I've got my Halloween collection already. And uh, my Halloween collection, my, my Halloween, I mean, my year-round spooky movies. The collection has been in part by my recommendation this this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other day I got I have Beetlejuice. I have both Adams Family movies now. I have uh, Little Shop of Horrors, like all of, like the the good spooky stuff that won't traumatize me. <laughs> I ha- I have a controversial take. Yeah, I watched Beetlejuice last year for spooky season. Mm-hmm. I I ha- and it's probably because I didn't watch it as a kid. I just didn't get it. Like, I guess it's spooky, but at the same time, I'm like, eh. I mean, here's the thing. Part of the reason why I got Beetlejuice is because I am performing as Beetlejuice twice in October. Mm-hmm. I will be doing, so for Rocky Horror, I will be doing the, the role of the criminologist as Beetlejuice. And I want to make sure that I have the, like the mannerisms down for it. And on top of that, I am performing in a Tim Burton themed show. And I'm doing Beetlejuice for that as well. So I'm trying to Work. do my, my character study of the 20 minutes that Beetlejuice is in the film. And I kind of agree with you. Beetlejuice, I think I like the aesthetic more than I like the movie itself. Mm-hmm. I like the iconic moments, you know, the dinner scene, the, you know, the dancing at the end of the movie, uh, you know, just the very creative concepts that are introduced. Yeah. But I just didn't like it. I think, you know, I do like the musical story a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, that's controversial. Well, be- did you it's see a- the, the, the Beetlejuice musical is closing again? I did. But you know, at least they had to go out on their own terms as opposed to like, you know, getting like... Was it on their own terms? Did they decide I, to close? And Yeah, in comparison to what it was what the first time they shut down, I'd say uh-huh. this is more closely to their own terms, to be honest. 
That's what I've. This is what I've read from theater TikTok. You know. Well, not only that, Phantom is closing. Phantom. Oh my god! I was I was very shocked to learn that news. Of all pan. Broadway's nowhere where it was before the pandemic and also this like yeah. making it impossible for Broadway to be affordable, which makes it hard for you know people to go and stuff yeah. like that. I think so I think other shows I think come from away is also ending its Broadway run. There's like other shows yeah. that are ending. It's so sad. Dear Evan but Hansen too. Dear Evan Hansen just closed. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh I mean However, it does make me excited to like see what else comes in. And also, absolutely. And, even, absolutely. and even with Phantom, like, I mean, I'm impressed it lasts as long as it did. 35 and years. The longest running years. show on Broadway. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I kinda, it kind of feels, you know, it's sad, obviously, because literally it's a relic of Broadway history and stuff like yeah. that. It's important for performing pretty much the exact same show since the 80s. Um, yep. Same costume, same staging, same everything. Exactly. So that makes me kind of, ex- you know, like sad. Of course, that's literally Broadway history that's ending. Yeah. But also, like, it makes me almost kind of happy a little bit that it's closing. I'm not like rooting for people to lose their jobs because that's definitely not me. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, we know. But like, you know, it just makes, I, I don't know, it just kind of makes me, it feels like there's like a new, like, era of Broadway coming in from what I've, been noticing i think so too i think it started when broadway came back after the shutdown um Mm -hmm. but and and not to make this a a musical theater podcast but um i mean phantom is not only a staple of musical theater history but it's also where the most like renowned broadway stars got their start you know they started like in the ensemble and then they worked up for years to get into one of the lead roles and then they moved on to other shows and it it is a massive employer of that industry so i mean it's very concerning just you know just based on like an employment level for these people because it it employed quite a lot of people Mm -hmm. um but it's it's projections just weren't good they were losing i think like a million dollars a month it became more expensive to run too i saw yeah yeah they were at 70 to 80 percent capacity which doesn't sound bad but if for broadway it's bad it's it's bad i really want to be able to go and see before it closes in february i don't know how feasible that is especially now that they've announced it's closing yeah i'm sure those 35 dollar tickets are gonna fucking skyrocket um Mm -hmm. but yeah but uh, given what i know it will probably return as a revival very quickly very quickly i think so too maybe not at the same theater but yeah well also i think it would invite it to like update it a little bit more revamp it like i yeah. really like that and that's gonna be really controversial yeah i, I don't can, give a I shit tell. yeah oh by the way speaking of broadway i got tickets to go see hades town in november in pittsburgh no shut up kayla are you kidding me no i'm not kidding i got it literally like last week oh my god i'm happy for you i'm very jealous but I'm very i happy am for you. never gonna financially recover from this but my god is it gonna be worth it <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just kidding, but also that that ticket price really fucking hurt. But my god, oh, it's gonna be worth do you, it. Do you mind saying how much it was? I don't. I, I'm gonna be honest. I kind of blacked out. So was it? It was. Was it? That was expensive. It was like it's like with fees, probably close to three hundred dollars for two tickets. Oh my god! Oh, for yeah. two tickets? Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, for like you know, but like it's. it's <laughs> I don't. It's, uh, no, it. Yeah, I, it hurts. It hurts. I it know. Hurts. I know. It's. It hurts. Uh, especially because I, you know, got the date idea as well. So like, what a fucking date! Hey, let's go to Hades Town on Broadway. Not on Broadway though. 
I said it in Pittsburgh. Oh, it's yeah. the tour. It's the tour. Still, yeah. still, it's a very fucking good tour. Yeah, I believe it's the same tour that I saw um, almost a year ago now. Probably. Very exciting. Very. Yeah, exciting. I'm so excited for it though. It's definitely gonna be worth it. I'm um, also awesome. seeing Evil Dead the musical next weekend, which I am super excited about. Nice. <laughs> I'm seeing Wicked tomorrow. I forgot to tell you. <gasps> That's amazing. For the first time. Yeah, yeah. it's the touring productions coming here at uh, Chrysler Hall in Norfolk. And I'm going to go see it. Nice. So, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm finally going to be able to decide whether I like Wicked or not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never, you know, made a hardline decision on whether I like it or hate it. You know, so we'll see. We'll see. I love this rabbit hole we've already gotten into. I know. We started discussing <laughs> Any I know content we're, related to what we're, we're 14 minutes in. Let's move on. There's some there's some news, some Avatar news. Hi, hello, Avatar news. Yeah. So we announced a couple. Or we announced we reported um, a couple of months back of uh, this new Legend of Korra comic called Pattern in Time, which is an anthology comic, and it's going to be like a smattering of these different stories. Um, and we learned that one of these comics will be featuring the first canon appearance of the famous air nomad Guru Lahima. Perfect, perfect announcement for this episode, too. I know, right? I know. We also found out that this same comic will also include a story about Asami's mother, Yasuko, who is another character who will also make their first canon appearance. Hmm. Um, so very, very exciting. I don't know how, how many comics or, I guess, stories will be in this specific comic, um, but we know at least that it will have these two. So very exciting for that because it's an anthology. Maybe we'll do it as like an after hour special or something. Um, but yeah, Patterns in Time will be released on November 30th. Um, and speaking of Avatar After Hour, we're going to be doing part two of our Avatar Oracle readings, our Tarot Oracle readings. And we're going to be doing the Legend of Korra characters. Um, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago or our last episode that was two weeks ago, we did um, some of the Avatar characters, and the, the things were, things that came up were interesting to say the least. So I'm I'm more interested to see um, how it's going to go uh, this time around with the Korra characters. So if you would like to join us for that, you can join us at our five dollar Air Acolyte level on our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash The Avatar Hour Podcast. And just a reminder, we did post an update um, last week that the Avatar Hour Podcast is switching to a bi-weekly format. This is just to make sure that, you know, both me and Kayla have the time and energy to maintain the quality of this podcast because you guys deserve it. And we are very, very thankful of our listeners and the support we have gotten so far on this change. And yeah. Um, and speaking of a format change, we are also going to be slightly rebranding how we do um, our recaps so they're going to be less recaps and we're we're trying to gear it more discussion based um cuz I figured, you know, if the people tuning in, I figured that most of you guys have read these chapters and probably don't need us to tell you what happens in each chapter. You're probably here more for our thoughts and and analysis, right? So that's kind of what we're going to be aiming to do for this and any foreseeable stuff that we talk about in the future for Avatar Hour. So this is just be just kind of going to be a loose discussion about our thoughts about these four chapters. Um, and again, in an effort to kind of gear it more towards discussion-based um, conversations, that sort of thing. So I'm very excited to talk about it. And again, because of this, we're not going to go chapter by chapter. We're just going to, again, talk about all four chapters as if they were just one thing uh, and just go from there. So Kayla, overall thoughts about these four chapters well i guess not overall but like you know what's what's one you want to start with 
I mean, just like it's just slow. This more of a slow burn for this. I feel like than mm-hmm. with other of the Avatar books that we've read. From what, just kind of like more of like an overall observation of Yang Chen. Um, this definitely feels a lot more of a slow burn, which I am not complaining about in the slightest. And we've talked a little bit about the format with it being more of a close to a spy novel, you know, less like if you're expecting epic battles and stuff like that. This is not the book for that at no. all. No. Um, but also just kind of like the I'm not like I'm not saying the pacing is slow at all, because that's not true. Um, but it definitely like feels a bit more of a slow build to, you know, the different plot points they're bringing up and character situations and stuff. It just feels like a slower, not, I'm not going to say crawl. That's not the way that I'm going to say it. More like a slower, like ascent into the story. If you get my drift, I don't know if you've noticed the same thing. I have noticed the same thing. Um, I, I cannot say I'm like, I like slow burns when it comes to, um, like characters and the relationships and stuff when it comes to a slow burn like story or plot um i have to be honest i start to lose not interest but i feel like if i for me personally if i don't feel like there's ever building momentum in the story if i feel like things are like too slow then it starts to like sap the intrigue a little bit for me um, and I didn't really feel it for these chapters. The last chapter I'm going to get to, cause I don't know what that's about, but I'll, I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, this is, this is kind of like my first encounter with like a slow burn plot. Um, cause usually if something else has, if it's like a TV show movie, I will probably lose interest and just stop watching it. Um, but because we're doing this for the podcast, I'm interested to see where things go. Um, but I I'm I wanted to start talking about this conversation between Yang Chen and Zhongdu Chassi, which is I think how you pronounce it. Um, because I think this is the the thing that these four chapters kind of revolve around. Um and I I want to talk about it from Yang Chen's perspective because um, you know, it gets to a point where they're talking, it's pleasant, and Yang Chen is surprised by her willingness to um, you know, help her in this endeavor and like trying to make the Shang cities more equitable for everybody until she starts realizing that, oh, she can just say that she's going to do it and then not actually do it because realistically, this would take years to do. But, and then I started thinking, is Yang Chen being too paranoid? Like if, I, if she starts, if she thinks about this and in, in like kind of like every conversation where she gets what she wants and then she starts doubting if, it's in like good faith. I wonder if like she's been burned too many times to realize that it's a genuine offer. Cause that's what it seemed like to me. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that Ying Chen was suspicious of her. And I know, I don't know if it's just because Chassie is like related or is involved with the Shangs that she's suspicious about, or because she has a lot of power with the Shangs, but I don't, I don't see how it would work again against her chassis interest to not have the cities be more equitable. Does that make sense? Yeah, it also kind of feels like um at the end where she kind of has that like, oh, they should have, you know, the people who threw stones at you, they should have their hands nailed to their heads and stuff like that. I feel like that was like almost out of left field, to be honest. Cause like Yeah. I think I mean, it was very purposeful on Chessie's part. 
But yeah, I think the the intention is not meant to be known to us by now. It it felt like something was. See, now I'm being paranoid because in in she like apologizes that she was she, that she offended Yang Chen that she thought that they were just discussing options, you know. So again, it could be that she actually thought that, or she actually wanted to get. Mm-hmm get at Yang Chen and the way she handles things, you know? So I can't, I can't really tell because again, Yang Chen is, is for lack of a better word, a paranoid person at this point because she has all these people spying on her and we're seeing everything from her point of view. So I'm like, is this like an unreliable narrator sort of thing? Like, you know, is it, we're going to get to the end of the book and and realize that uh, Zhangdu Chassi actually meant everything she said and everything was in good faith. Like, is that the lesson that Yang Chen's going to learn? Because I did mention last episode, like, okay, what is Yang Chen's lesson that she's going to learn in this book? And I wonder mm-hmm. if that's going to be that, like, some people do work in good faith even when they are opposed to you, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. Hmm. I also think with this, um, something else I wanted to point out was the similarities that were drawn between the two characters. Um, both of them have people spying on them. I just did it brings up. By the way, oh yeah, that guy's a servant of the Fire Lord. You know, I want to be careful of what you say around certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's closing that she's had to learn too, yep. you know, as a person who's been spied on herself. But she also wants to, she also points out that like, look, like, yeah, of course I fucking know he's a spy. Why do you keep him? Well, then because the uh, Fire Lord hears what I want him to hear. And he stays yeah. off my back. And, yeah. like, I think Yang Chen's been doing something similar, too, because, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, oh, God, I can't remember her person, her, the person who's spying on her's name. Uh, 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 Sai Dao? Yes, Dao, yeah. I think. I'm so sorry with names. Um, but, yeah. Like, and she's, and Yang Chen is, like, shocked that um, the spies are, like, in her actual, like, life. Yeah. Instead of just, like, in an advisory capacity. Like, it says, like, servant. she couldn't imagine having having people, like, where she sleeps, where she eats you know, have people spying on her living her life, you know, but to Zhang Duchasi, it's, um, it's, uh, an advantage for her, mm-hmm. you know, cause then, cause then it, it just lets the spy in like on a trust level, you know, mm-hmm. um, and she can manipulate what the fire Lord hears and what he doesn't, you know? So yeah, all very interesting. I also found it interesting that they more or less, uh, with the exception of, of one book have read the same books, um, and, uh, we did get a Guru Lahima shout out, uh, even the, the famous phrase empty and become wind, um, did get a shout out. So again, love this connections. When I was reading this, um, I don't know if it's because I'm doing like my fourth rewatch of the Death Note anime. Um, but it, it reminded me of an anime and if, and if for people who like don't watch anime, um, you are like almost to a fault, very privy to the individual thoughts of a character um, in any given situation in anime. And this is kind of what it felt like because like Ying Chen was literally like thinking her every word that she says to this person and having a complete internal dialogue on every answer that she got back. And it just, in that sense, reminded me of of anime because that's how things are sometimes. But it, it was kind of was like a little bit of a chess game, a little bit, you know, because she didn't want to seem she uh, Yang Chen can, can be so manipulative sometimes because there's one point where she asks for Saidao if he's here um, because she wants Chassi to think that she's a young avatar looking for a stable um, ad- hand of the advisor where she doesn't really need it, but she wants her to think that. And I'm like, 
it's just like so it I guess manipulative is not the right word or maybe it could be but I think it, it's interesting that she has that little aspect of her character. I mean, again, that also shows the parallels between her and, you know, Chasey here, you know, with the, you know, man, it's manipulating. It is manipulating. It's not, you know, you're not telling the truth. You're trying to tell the version of the truth that best fits your interests. Um, it's very interesting noticing those striking similarities, again, with like the books. And um, I also wanted to bring up like something that they talked about as the um talking about like that wagon wheel like metaphor of mm-hmm. you know yeah like the road and the wheel yeah that like human beings yeah. are surfaces points of contact that don't exist unless we interact with others in the world around us the only space in which a road and a wheel become relevant is the infinitely thin ever-changing stripe where they touch together the card rolls oh love that like would you agree with shokin here the fact that humans are basically blank slates and that we don't. I, first of all, I had to break down what the fuck they were talking about. Uh, <laughs> how I'm interpreting. Yeah, it's very, very more metaphorical. Oh, yeah. for sure. How I'm interpreting it is that we are, you know, reflections of the things that influence us, whether it's, you know, our families and things like that, or, you know, things that we consume, the books we read, the experiences we have. And, you know, I guess that we interact with other you know, interactions with other people can it seems the way that she's using it uh especially because she refers to the wagon and the road um of you know finding that common like space despite how yeah. vastly different every single human is and everyone's experiences even if you grew up in the same family you yeah. know that's kind of how i interpreted it but i wanted to hear your thoughts on that because it kind of seemed a bit of a pointed moment there no, I interpreted it very much the same. Um, and I think it's a lesson that Yangchen has kind of already learned because she makes a point of going to interact with the people of the four nations and not just kind of like dictate how things go from the Western Air Temple. And I, I mean, I do, in essence, agree with this idea that human beings are only surfaces until we interact with others and the world around us. And I mean, as someone who likes to do creative things, I find that it's it's um, it's very inspiring to go and seek out experiences with other people um, and get inspiration to be more creative. And I think that can apply um, in lots of different ways. But I think, yeah, I think it's interesting that um, Yangshin claims not to have read this this book by Shogun, but it's it's also a lesson that she's kind of it seems has already learned. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any more thoughts about this like confrontation here? Hmm. I mean, I also like, it's another like small like, bullet points that I kind of point out with like details that uh, FCE points out. Cause obviously, you know, it's not a coincidence and things get pointed out and referenced and things like that. Um, the fact that uh, they make a note that she's seven months pregnant, that mm-hmm. like, does, What's the relevancy there? Like, you know, what? how's that going to come into play? Like, is that supposed to be kind of like throwing off our guard of like what kind of a character she is based off of like the archetypes they assign to pregnant characters? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking. I don't know. I, it, it was noted that Ying Chen didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a thing that she was. I figured that was something Ying Chen would assume she would know already. Um, with the information that she's gathered on this person and the fact that she didn't know maybe kind of like 
shook her foundation a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if it if it is going to be relevant at all. I like I don't know how how much more this this character will yeah will be involved. How involved she is with unanimity, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Eh, this is the thing I figured I'd bring up because I was like, huh, you know, uh, and it's definitely notable for sure. Yeah, and the fact that she she gifts um Yang Chen a book by Shokin yeah. upon like their departure. Also, let's talk about this letter that she supposedly found mm-hmm. from the Spencer Hawk, which well, I don't believe. Well, especially because we learn in the next chapter that messenger hawks tend to get mm-hmm. go missing mysteriously. Yeah, yeah. And so it's apparently we don't know exactly what has happened, um, mm-hmm. but something has gone down in um, oh, it's the place from Shadow Kyoshi, yes. Mayinka. Yes. Um, with the Saiyans, um, something's gone down. Uh, again, we don't know when this this letter was even sent. So it could have like been like months ago for all for all Yang Chen knows. Um, but mm, something. Oh, I just happened to find this letter that was addressed to you. I mean, maybe maybe it's she like forged it herself. I don't know. It's a little sus. Something something's not clicking. Yeah. But yeah, that was a big that was a big thing that happened at the end of that chapter. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where where that goes. Well then also like the way that she like smiles too after she lives like, oh, you know, you might want to rush off to that because like, you know, every passing moment that you spend here means another life could be lost, you know? Yeah. Like just yeah. I can't quite put my finger on that either. Yeah, very complex character here. Yeah, exactly. Um Cool. Well, why don't we go ahead and take a break? And then when we come back, we'll talk about what Kavik is up to. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll see you guys in a little bit. Stay tuned. All right, and we're back with the second part of our discussion of the Dawn of Yang Chen. Yeah, so let's switch over to Kevin's point of view because he does some spying, espionage, sneaky shit of his own, which at this point established, but you know. Um, I do like, though, with like Yang Chen and Kavik's interactions, first of all, he gets to finally fly uh, Yang Chen's bison, gets to mm-hmm. pilot for a little bit. Um, and then I love though she literally just drops him off in the middle of the water, just like bloop, you know. Yeah. And then she yeah. even says that, like, you know, this is payback for trying to, you know, throwing my lemur off a cliff, you know. <laughs> like uh, and also another yeah. another bit of humor of like, you know, when Pick and Pock weren't screaming and trying to steal his teeth, they were very cute. And I just got yeah. a chuckle out of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see. Just some, like moments that I wanted to point out with this particular part of the book is that um, uh, Mama uh, Ayunderic is brought up again, mm-hmm. and something tells she's gonna—I don't know—it just—it just feels like there's something up with her. I I or, agree one thousand percent. Or I'm am like, I just I feel being like... paranoid myself? <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. I feel like some seeds are being planted. I feel like something's going on. Mm-hmm. Like it it felt like really like out of nowhere that they happened to mention this one character we met like 10 chapters ago. And then like but then get name dropped like three different times since then or before then. Like just clearly someone important. And they try to try to wave it off as like, oh, she's like um helps the homeless. She stuff. helps like she's a known person, like like kind of famous, like 
But still, I'm just like, narratively, we keep going back to this person. I'm like, something's, something's going to come up from here. Um, but yeah, can we talk about the gay water tribe couple? Yes. Love them. Oh, it was so cute. The fact that they like adapted the uh, betrothal necklaces to be armbands. Like, yes, I love, love that touch so much. Love that. Yes. Love that. One I love the gays. it. God, it's the case. Why do we keep winning? <laughs> <laughs> the way I also immediately clocked it too. I was like, are they? Are they? Are y'all? <laughs> and then Ka- <coughs> and then Kavik was like, talking about their wedding. I was like, work. Work Diva Slay Boots, the house, hunty realness, fierce Diva Queen. Love that. Love that. Um, I also love that Akudan, I think is how you say it, is like, again, this like gentle giant character that we see time and time again from Avatar that I will never get tired of. Yeah. Um, and Tayagama is like kind of like this older, like, um, <coughs> like Doc Master that's like kind of like, you know, no bullshit, just kind of like straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love that we get to see from, from uh, Kavik is his almost like pathological need to connect with people from his tribe. And I find that very, very interesting. And I would love to know more just from like a real world point of view when it comes to that. Um, But I mean, the truth of the matter is not only is Kavik and his family separated from the Northern Water Tribe, but the people who are from the Northern Water Tribe in their community hate them because of what Kalyan did um, or did or did not do, supposedly, allegedly. Um, and he, it's mentioned multiple times that he feels hurt that these two strangers are not willing to connect with him, um, on a community level, which on the outside sounds like, dude, you just met them. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of how, like, if I'm out and about, I, I know this is probably not the same thing, but if I'm out and about and I meet like other Portuguese people that I've never met before, there's like kind of like an instant camaraderie there. And I think that Kavik was meant, was like expecting the same thing. I also do want to point out with uh, his introduction to uh, Tayagama, I think his name is. I'm so fabulous. Tayagama. Tayagama. You know, that he, like, he's like, oh, or your water tribe, then we're kin. And like, you know, they do this, like, it almost seems like a, at the time, traditional introduction was like, you know, my name's this and my parents' names are this. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it also kind of led him to be a little bit more like seeking that tie as well. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if if um Tayagama's resistance to connecting with Kavik is because he doesn't understand why Yang Chen has chosen this person. Um because they also do mention that they feel that Yang Chen is too trusting mm-hmm. of people she doesn't Which know and ironic. always strives to see the good. Which is ironic that Kavik also points the same thing out that I thought after reading that sentence of like she's got spies, she's this this and this but yeah, both things can coexist, I guess, in one character. We're all filled with inconsistencies. I yeah, I I find myself kind of agreeing with with both people, um, because there are people in my life who, in my opinion, are too trusting and do see the good in people. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a cynical person, but I unfortunately have kind of learned to expect the worst from people until I know more about them. Because I feel like for me, people who and again, this is a broad generalization and kind of veering off topic. But people, for me, people who um, trust people and expect the good in them oftentimes are the ones getting burned by that person 
because they're too trusting and any red flags they see are kind of like waved away because they tell themselves that they're still a good person. They just have all these things that they're working on and until it gets to a point where like, oh, I've been burned by this person. So that's just kind of like, that's. I think that's why I agreed with um with Tayagama and uh, um, his husband over the Yang Chen thing. I don't know if, if there is a history of, of Yang Chen being burned by people because she's too trusting if that's something we'll learn in the future. But that was just like a personal connection that I made. So I kind of saw both sides of it. Yeah, um, I but agree. At, but at the same time, Kavik's like, yeah, she literally has spies like like living with her. Like, I think she's not what you kind of think she is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's very uh, realistic to have thoughts about like this, like with your boss, you know, I mean, especially like the avatar, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, I also do want to point out the fucking metal thing that Kavik did to like fucking breaks his, breaking own, his own nose, nose. to like metal you know I yes. mean, it kind of reminds me as much as i fucking hate harry potter but the scene where like they're about to get caught by like identified by the snatchers and like you know hermione does that spell thing to make harry's face like swell up uh-huh. so he wouldn't be recognizable like very much like that's that. what it reminded me of and just like ah yeah. oh, man and also the way the book describes it and like trying to like re like reposition the nose ugh. Yeah, 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 and then and then Kavik is like, uh, "Which one of you is gonna break your assistant's nose tomorrow?" Because if they, he just comes back with a fixed nose, then they're gonna start getting suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say the last chapter for me. I don't understand what's going on, and I, I, I hate when stories do this, especially that one that's kind of already slow burn. I feel like I don't understand what what's going on in the last chapter. I thought we were at one point flashing back to how Kava got in this industry in the first place, but that is not what happened. Oh, you um, interpreted that? I kind of just thought it was just him trying to get in with, um, you know, the information runners on the islands, you know? I was trying John I Dory. was trying to make sense of it. I, 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 And I know that's not what it was. That's not, that's not necessarily my reading. I was like, is this what's happening? What's going on? And then we're like introduced to all these new people and I'm like, like just when I really felt like this like unanimity thing was like finally going with this conversation yeah. between Yang Chen and Zongdu, I'm like, there's this, this other thing like, now. And I'm just like, I'm not very and then it, it begged the question for me. I'm like, wait, why is Kavik here again? Yeah. I we know he's supposed to be working for Yang Chen, but what they were meant to meet in um like this place in Jeanduri. Um, but now Kavik's going out to do this thing. Yangchen now has to go to Mayinka Island. And I'm just like, uh, I feel like I've lost the plot a little bit. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's from what I've, it looks like he's trying to just, you know, go to his default of doing what he does best uh, when Yangchen's not around to tell him what to do. It just seems that he's kind of just going back to his roots essentially, but being, you know, in a different environment this time and is trying to get more information on unanimity this way. That seems to be the case. Yeah. That's what it appears to be, at least for me. But I was kind of confused. As I well. just, I don't, I don't, ugh. I just want that, the main plot to move forward more. Yeah. And I know this is probably another way to do it, and I'll get over it. But mm, for the right last chapter, like, kinda... I need to know. I have, I don't need sleep. I need answers. <laughs> well, that's what I'm I don't, I don't even really feel that way. I'm just like, no, I kind of do. Ugh. I'm just like, uh, uh, I guess, sure. I don't know. Mm. We'll see where it goes, yeah. but I was not, I was kind of disappointed by the last chapter because usually every last chapter I'm excited to see what happens next. And this one, I'm just like, uh, I don't, yeah. it, it, for me, this this book has been harder to understand and read than 
the Kyoshi novels, in my opinion. I, I uh, definitely. And I'm afraid. I agree with I'm you. afraid it's going to get more complex from here. And I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel the same about the complexities. But, you know, I'm also feeling optimistic that hey, maybe there'll be a nice thread to put this all together. And like we're about halfway done, I think. That's, that's also what I'm saying, too. I'm like. I know at some point, you know, we're at the midpoint. Things have got to, you know, they got to drop the ball or drop the ball. Um, have the second shoe drop at in, in at some point. But yeah. I'm just like, I'll just see where it goes. But I'm not feeling great about this lap chapter. I'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. Um. Do you have any last thoughts, Kayla, before we wrap our wrap up this discussion? No, nope, got nothing else. Okay. Well, that was our general thoughts about um. Donning Agent chapter 17 through 20. Let's move on to Phantom Corner. I got this from the Avatar Facebook and I thought it would be fun to discuss yeah. if you want to intro it. Let's do it. So we have uh, build your team to defeat the Avatar. You have $5. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, different levels are worth the different amount of money and you just basically build the team that you have for whatever. In this case, it's defeat the Avatar. So they have certain categories with certain characters in each. So for the $1 category, we have Hama, Vatu, Unalak, and Eska. For the $2 level, we have Zaheer, Zhao, Longfang, and Tarlok. And then for level 3, we have, which is $3, Ozai, Kuvira, Amon, and Azula. And you have $5 to build your team to defeat the Avatar. Yeah. Before we even discuss who we're putting on our team, I I I'm gonna have to have a, a strong conversation with whoever put this together because I don't understand. Why is I love Zhao that. two dollars and Ozai three? They're both like no, but here's what <laughs> I'm saying though. They have the literal spirit of darkness on the lowest tier. I'm o- over Ozai? Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I guess Ozai is the powerful, but we only saw him bend during like, the, the comment. Ca- but like the chaos, like literally the, the chaos demon thing, spirit. Like literally the, the spirit of, of chaos I'm just like chaos make and it make darkness sense. also Hama as a one dollar yeah that is that respect is, on Hama's yeah name. That, that is, is some, that is some bullshit right there let's move some shit around first of all Zhao and Long Fang do not deserve to be $2. no they should be one so they're we're gonna we're gonna move them down to one dollar we're not actually gonna do but it like, but like they should be they should be they should be we, okay? Avatar Avatar needs to hire us to do their Facebook and stuff we would we would we would get this shit down pat <laughs> I, I agree with all of the, the top tier ones except for Ozai. Yeah. Ozai, we're going to move down uh, to the $2. Because, mm-hmm. again, if if he has the comment, formidable, sure. We're going to move Hama up because, again, that girl is crazy and she can fuck some shit up. Um, but, yeah, do not agree. Also, I find it weird that there isn't a, as far as I know, a Nickelodeon-run Legend of Korra Facebook page. It's all just kind of under the Avatar Last Airbender umbrella, but it's fine. Um... But I guess just given what we have in this chart, because it'd be too complicated to try and like redo it now. Yeah. Build your team. What? Who would you have on your team? Uh. Well, I think definitely Hama and Vatu. Uh, because that's two dollars. And then I would probably have uh, Amon. Hmm. Interesting. Hama, Vatu, and Amon. So that's your five dollars. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and put. Um. Also, Tarlac two dollar. I don't understand. Um and so here, come on, y'all. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put Vatu on my team. I'd be like, come on, like he's very formidable. Um, and then I'm gonna go ahead and put hmm. gosh darn it. I hate this. <laughs> you picked okay, forget it. Vatu. I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna put I know. I'm gonna put 
I'm gonna pick Azula, mm. and then I'm gonna add. Hmm, let's see who would be a chaotic duo. I'm gonna put Azula, Eska, and Batu. I feel like they would fuck some shit up. <laughs> and I also want to see Azula and Eska interact. Yeah, That'd right. Fun, I, I, like. I think that would be a very interesting. Oh my god. Yeah. I I loved how I picked this and I was like tearing it apart the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't. I, this is why I don't pick the fandom corners. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god! Well, that was fun. I hope that they, if they, yeah, right. If they do this again, they gotta put put make the shit right. Ask us yeah. if anyone from the Avatar, yeah. like who runs Avatar social media, they need to be like you know a consult. Talk to us. <laughs> All right, let's move on to recommendations. Kayla, what are you recommending? Mine was alluded to a little bit earlier in this episode, but I highly recommend going to Half Price Books slash like any secondhand book DVD store out there. You can get a whole bunch of cool stuff, save money because I am not great with money at the moment. I mean, I'm I'm good. I'm paying my bills, you know, that kind of thing. I don't have a whole lot of like fun spending money right now. Yep. Still sign up for the Patreon. Yes, please do. We we need money. Uh (laughs) (laughs) You need to send up an Avatar or Venmo. Yeah, right. Um, Buy us a cup of coffee. Uh, You know, so I've been getting some DVDs. And so I actually, another podcast that I have been like, guesting on lately is uh, the cult musicals podcast and so i found not one but two different musicals that i was very surprised to find there i found earth Mm -hmm. girls are easy and the best little whorehouse in texas uh today i love best little whorehouse i I played in it really i haven't Mm -hmm. seen it yet i've been meaning to watch it for ages so i'm actually you said you said you guessed it on this podcast yeah it's the cult musical zone yes they're on youtube uh they yeah lots of cult musicals i was just on the episode with little shop of horrors i recorded under my stage name um so yeah so it's little shop of horrors episode and then coming up i will be on their reaper madness episode which will be super fun uh is the little shop of horrors episode out yes it is so go check that out on the cult musical zone um and i then i'm gonna be on their episode for earth girls are easy so that's why i needed to get it uh i I knew i could find it there you are so there i am yeah so i i I recorded under my stage name uh just to keep consistency because some folks in the rocky community only know me as my stage name so You'll learn it there, but yeah. Um, and I just I just love all the good things I can find. However, it is very frustrating though when things that you're looking for you can't find, but it's the best feeling in the world when you could find something. Like I got the Adams Family movies, both of them in one mm. pack made me so happy. Awesome. I got little type of horrors on DVD, like all these good movies, and you know, even some like obscure ones. But today I was kind of hoping I could find Jennifer's body and I couldn't, and that made me sad. I love Jennifer's body. <sighs> yeah, but it's just it's funny to save money and also it feels like a treasure hunt almost because you never know what you're gonna find there. Uh and also you can sell your DVDs and books and stuff there too. So that's pretty good. But anyway, long-winded recommendation, but check that out. How about you, Andre? What do you recommend? I'm gonna recommend everyone stop what they're doing and go watch the pro shot of Heather's the musical. Um, you can find this on the Roku channel. No, you do not have to have a Roku to watch it. It's just an app that you can look up on a Roku or a Fire Stick. Um, it's completely free. You don't need to pay for it. Um, this is my first time seeing um, Heather's The Musical. I haven't seen a production I of it. I haven't seen it either. I, only know, I love the music. I only know the music. It is a great production. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Everyone go and see it. Yes. I, I just... It's, like, that. my new favorite show now. It's just so, so good. So clever. 
Yeah, um, I, beautifully cast, beautifully staged. I'm so excited just, then. I got to watch it now. Yeah, you got to you got to watch it. Again, just search up Roku channel. It's free. Um they have like little breaks, but they're not commercials. They just like do little pauses here and there. I'm not sure why. Um but yeah, uh Oh, so good. So good. You're going to be obsessed. Go see it. Amazing. I also actually, speaking of the my recommendation, I did just buy the original Heather's movie as well to watch. So Ooh. lots of Heather's. Double feature. Double feature. Double feature. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that kind of covers our recommendations for this week, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Well, if you would like to stay up to date on what we are up to at the Avatar Hour podcast, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Avatar Hour Podcast, Facebook, same username, and on Twitter at Avatar Hour, as well as our TikTok, Avatar Hour, sorry, the Avatar Hour Pod. Huh, frustrating when they all can't be the same thing, right? Uh, and, you know, we're always looking for new Fandom Corner entries, and if, you're, and if your entry doesn't make it into Fandom Corner, chances are it'll probably be in a future Messenger Hawk Mailbag episode. So make sure to send it our way through our direct messages on those social media platforms. And you can email us at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, as always. And if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life, then consider signing up for our Patreon um, for as low as $1 a month or up to $5 a month. You can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes, Zoom recordings, and much, much more, including our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, that you can access at the $5 Air Acolyte level. Again, right after this episode, we're going to record part two of our Avatar characters, Terracal Oracle readings. We're going to do some characters from The Legend of Korra. And it's going to be really fun and really spooky. So if you want to join us for that, head up to patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Um, but that is it for us. Thank you guys um, for sticking it out with us and tuning into this episode. We will see you in two weeks. Uh, but until then, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Bye.